My friends, here it is, part two of the conversation I had with Brendan Cabral about social media for small businesses. Here we go. because I am one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've listened to Gary Vaynerchuk, I've listened to Tim Ferriss, I've listened to all these different people. And it's really, you know, really trying to focus on being a successful business owner. And, you know, Tim Ferriss says, like, you need a thousand true fans. You know, Gary Vaynerchuk says, you know, you need to get on social media right now because it's cheap and it's underpriced. For what you get out of it, and the well, they just changed it. I mean, and then right. Facebook just dropped the hammer a couple of weeks ago. Said like, uh, Mr. Marky Mark over there. You know, so if you, are you familiar with that update with Facebook? No. Uh, the the business aspect of Facebook is changing drastically. Really, what they're doing is rewriting the algorithm um, because they let the, they let business influence the newsfeed so much on Facebook. They had kind of a backlash, and so essentially they're listening to the users, which are which are the individuals. Right, I mean, Facebook makes money because of the business presence on, right. on Facebook, of course. But people don't want to be bombarded with ads and everything. So what they're all, they're doing is really, in, and if you have a Facebook business page, um, you've, most of us have seen this decline in what's called organic reach, or the ability for you just put a post up, and your fans and their maybe close friends um, will see it. And so let's say you have a thousand fa- Facebook fans on your business page or whatever, and you put up a post about something. The likelihood of about fifty percent of those people or more of seeing that post was pretty high, like in two thousand sixteen or before. In two thousand seventeen, they started dwindling down quite a bit. And now what we're seeing is that the business feed really isn't going to be. It's on a separate feed. So business, even if, this, this is kind of the interesting part of this. Like you have to have pretty engaging content at this point for this. This is. I'm sorry, it's off topic a little bit, maybe, but no, no. So like it's all one and the same. It's all one and the same. But and so like so they're cutting that out. So the business feed will not be on your on your friends feed. It'll be friends and family. And so even for a lot of business pages that act, because what Facebook really wanted from a business page was that it interacted with its users, with its fans, like an individual did. That it had a, a voice, and it had a face, and so, and we see this in big companies, like Apple has Steve Jobs, and Windows has Bill Gates, and even for companies that don't necessarily have this persona, they create one, like cartoon images and things like that. So they wanted, Facebook wanted this voice to communicate through, right? Um, this personification of the business. And so even if it's a Facebook page you interact with a lot, a business page, you may not see it in your newsfeed anymore. Um, it has to be really engaging, have a lot of fans. But what you're going to start seeing more is more paid. So for, for business pages to be seen on the Facebook uh, newsfeed, your general newsfeed, they'll have, they'll, those must be paid placements. Right. And so that's what I was talking about is like Gary Vaynerchuk says that they're, you know, 
for the reach that you get for paying for that advertising is exceptionally cheap. It is. It's still and, very cheap. And so that's because, you know, none of the major companies have gotten in on it yet. And so we need to take advantage of it while we can. So, and Instagram is the same way, right? And so I've noticed that you've been... Instagram is almost free still. Like, you still right. pay for Facebook, but it's so inexpensive. It's, it's right. pennies, you know? And so, but that's what I wanted to talk to you about. So then, but then I was listening to a podcast with Dr. Andy Galpin and his friends uh-huh. called The Body of Knowledge. Uh-huh. And Galpin's... Shit. Yeah, <laughs> he's cool. Yeah, and so they are. They were bringing that up, and so one of his friends owned CrossFit LA. Oh, that, it's, like, it's a huge, it's a huge, yeah. well-known facility. It's been around and a long so, time. Like the seventh CrossFit affiliate ever. Yep. So they just rebranded. So they dropped CrossFit, and now they're just called mm-hmm. Oak Park. And so he was like, okay, so now I need to do these internet campaigns, I need to do Google search campaigns, I need to do this and that and this You're basically starting from scratch when you rebrand. That's important to keep in mind. But then he started thinking, like, none of my people left. So I still have, whatever he said, 250, 300 people in his gym. Mm -hmm. So what are we doing? Because he was talking about how he's never on social media at all. Like kind of just like completely incompetent when it comes to social media. So he's going to have to hire somebody else to do that. He's ready to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars on this campaign because of his gym rebrand. And so then he starts talking, which got me thinking, like he doesn't need anybody else. He doesn't, you know, if he starts to get more people, then the class size is unmanageable. And we need to start hiring more coaches and it's going to be more a detriment That's, than that, it is. This six. is a great segue. I right. Think. And so... Uh, this is a this is a huge this is a hugely important counterpoint to the more is always better philosophy, especially in entrepreneurism. Right. Um, so I'm not, and so with you know with Tim Ferriss and Gary Vaynerchuk and all these you know Tony Robbins you know place your person here, they're trying to build multi million dollar corporations or businesses that can be either sold or maximally profitable for life or whatever. You know, I am not trying to build a million dollar business because, you know, me being a body worker would just be detrimental to my health. And so, like, you know, because you've been doing some of those Instagram and Facebook ads and I want to know, like, how, like, what your purpose is and are you just trying to reach people? Are you just trying to get a message out? Or are you trying to get more people in your gym? Or are you... I think this is a great... There's a whole there's a whole great thing here. And so I'm going to back back up a little bit, kind of bring up something that a lot of people... And this is the same thing as fitness and we're talking about food. It's the exact same thing, which is... And I, I went through this myself in the, in my, with my gym, with my facility, which is... And it actually, it took, I was listening to another podcast with Tony Gentlecore, and he, he's been a long time trainer, um, he's like, a, he's an old school kind of strength conditioning guy out in the northeast, um, he's got these great DVDs and on courses on shoulder health and maintenance and stuff like that, because he's working with a lot of baseball players originally, right. at, his, at his home facility, um, and I can't remember if it was with, uh, uh, I think it was with Craig, Eric Chris. So I'm going to stop you right yeah. there, I'm going to use the restroom real quick. Pause. Pause. <laughs> All right, we're back. So Good. Tony Jellicourt, uh really notable guy, and, and so but basically he was he's got an online training. Um, so I bring him up because this this was I had this epiphany moment at one point, and uh, for a lot of the same reasons you, I was listening to a lot of business mentors in the fitness space and in general entrepreneurship, 
I'm, I'm listening to Tony on this podcast. Um, I think it was the Fitcast with uh, Kevin Laramie, and that's a great podcast for if you're a trainer or in the health the health sphere as well. Um, and he's talking about he's he was subletting at this gym, and the owner was selling it. It's like this little boutique gym, you know, like 1,500 square feet, much like my facility um, and the original CrossFit gym you're kind of working at, like same kind of space. And he was really on the fence about picking it up because he didn't want all this extra responsibility because he had a really clear vision of what his business model looked like for him because of this idea of personal freedom. <clears throat> and um, it, so he ended up picking up this gym, but like he, he, didn't, he, he didn't hire more trainers. Um, he, he kept his hours really specific. So he's got in-person in client train, uh, clients, in clients, excuse me, and, and online clients, right? And he basically didn't change anything for himself, but he did start subletting out the extra hours he's not there. And I had this epiphany, because all the guys I was listening to were great, they had these great gyms. Um, Alan uh, Cosgrove with uh, Results Fitness in, in California, and um, Mike Boyle, Eric Christie, and all these guys are on these, these kind of old school guys that are coming um, from strength conditioning, but not from the CrossFit side, but they're, you know, um, they're hugely influential. They've got great athletes, etc., and results and all this. But you know, they're always talking about you know. The so something's important is scalability. That's one of the first concepts to understand: is scalability right. in the business model. Um, and you talk about something like Gary Vanderchuk, um, especially Tim, like you know Tim Ferriss. Um, they're selling information, right. right? They're not selling a physical good that needs to be marketed. And if they are, it's a book. You know, so that's pretty hands off in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of what they sell is e-products, um, you know, info books and things like that. You know, you can pick up, and that's those almost almost infinitely scalable. Right. Um, so, it also has a lot to do with personality. So I think you know the first thing is as a business owner, as an entrepreneur, is understand like um, Craig Bond sometimes talks about this your perfect day model, and you go through this exercise and you envision your perfect work day, not you know your perfect day off or vacation day in Belize or anything like that. Like, what's your perfect day? Like, what does it look like? What time do you actually get up in the morning? You know, are you up? At the butt crack of dawn, and you hate it, you know, and you're and you're if you're like me, you're drinking like five cups of coffee coffee before your first clients come in, so you know, so you're awake for them and such. But um, what's your perfect day look like? What time do you wake up? What's the first thing you do in the morning? What does your then then you start work? And what does that look like? And so th I think that's a really good mental exercise as an entrepreneur to understand. Right. You know, where do you see? So you have this mental image of where you th see things going, um, because. I, I kind of fell in this trap. I was like, I'm gonna have a bigger facility. I'm gonna crunch in like two, three hundred members. I'm gonna start. I'm gonna coach the coaches. And I'm gonna be his manager. <clears throat> and I started going through the through the motions with that. And I started having some some tr um, some coaches in that um, you know their hearts were in the right place, maybe their heads were in the right place. Maybe I wasn't ready to manage very well because I was still having too many responsibilities with actually training clients heads on. And one thing with if you're if you're in this sphere and you're coaching clients. And you're working um, hands-on with people. Is there's a lot of personality that comes into things. Meaning, <clears throat> I didn't understand, um, but people came to me specifically because they trusted me, and they did not trust the assistant coaches or the other coaches that I had under my my employment. Um, but they wanted to work with me. That's why they were there. And I didn't understand the power of this for a long time. Like I, I totally overlooked it. I wasn't even aware that this was even a thing. I was like, well, I hired Lucas and I vetted him and. And you know, um, you know, people like him, but and, and he had clients that liked him too. It was this weird thing; it was mismatch. That right. Um, and so, and that's that's a there's a pick and choose thing in the CrossFit space as well. Yeah, where, like oh, you know, who's coaching at six? You know, right. Like. And so there's you know, and personalities mesh, and some don't, and that's just the and way it's, it it's is. huge. And so yeah. you kind because of, you kind of develop your audience, right? And I I had been running my gym solo for a long time. Before I start taking clients, so like this, this was actually a, this was a huge hiccup for me because it kind of made the idea, the plan of 
having hundreds of clients and do- maybe a dozen coaches not really feasible, right? Because if you don't have, if you can't, well, it's not necessarily right for you. So then, what you're, what I'm hearing is that you're saying that you, each person needs to reevaluate what their terms of success actually mean. Yes, because your vision of success is not somebody else's, and because your life is individual and your business is going to be. I mean, your business model may line up exactly. I mean, a gym is a gym is a gym. Right. Um, and and you, you know you're doing more therapy work in addition to the gym work, um, and those are all those models are all very similar. But you have to understand like what's appropriate for you. So when you're going to see your clients, how right. many clients you're going to have, like. And so my dad's a body worker also, and he mm-hmm. has been for 20 years, and so he's very successful. Monetarily, so you got to look at it like that. Yeah. So like he what's works, more important, money right. or free time? So he works <laughs> right because you can always get more money, but time. You can never get back. Yeah, and you're going to grind. I mean, as an entrepreneur, and you right. know this, like you're going right. to put in more hours. Uh, you're going to ruin relationships and friendships potentially. And, and, and this is another thing too. If you look at, and that's why your personality comes heavily into it. Not just my personality with my clients, but look, look at Gary Vaynerchuk. Um, that guy, it like he's not even type A. He's like a whole different type of person. Like he runs on pure adrenaline. Like um, you know, Jordan Syed's his trainer. He talks a little about that. Like just kind of keep him in focus a lot of times. Like, Keep him put together when he's doing his training with him, like he's doing his workouts with him. And right. um, that guy loves the hustle. Like that's that's his fuel. And he, he would rather be too busy than not do anything. You know what I mean? Like right. so his his business setup is directly relatable to his personality type, where that like he can't sit still for like three seconds or his head will explode, right? And there's all kinds of reasons that may be, but that's why he's so busy like right. and then again the other thing too is that we're talking about social media that's how our projection we see of Gary like I don't know you know I don't know what his home life you know I don't know what he right. is, is he, if he does does he ever crash for two weeks after but he seems to be constantly busy right and so you know my dad's in like he does six to eight massages a day and then has like an hour to an hour and a half for lunch for half of that or majority of that he's taking a nap you know and then he's done Working and then he makes dinner and then he lies down, watches a little bit of TV and goes to bed, and he does that Every four day. to five days a week. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? And he's been that for so, twenty years, right? So right, and so I, you know, do three to four massages a day. I might do them, you know, four, five, six days a week. I try to take one day off a week, but that doesn't really work. But I have more time throughout the day to either coach or. Workout or, or hang with the missus, hang, right? hang out with the missus, or go into the woods with my dogs, you know, you whatever. And so I consider that more successful. And then so you know that I thought about it a lot, and you know the the one thousand true fans probably isn't attainable for me, whereas I probably need you know one hundred fifty to two hundred. It depends. And I mean, so, you might see things transition business wise, where right. If, um, you know, so this is strictly about business setup as well, but like, you, you know, as you become adept in your field, as you gain expertise, we often become facilitators to the next, the next generation of therapists or coaches or whatever. And this is where you see people transition over to like more of a mentorship or creating information products, books right. and courses and things like that. And those things are, are, again, they're pretty, they can be very scalable. They can be very profitable and very scalable. And when you're looking at a setup like that, Having a thousand, so that thousand fan thing comes to if you have, um, there's a math, there's a math for that. If you have right. a thousand fans that pay you a hundred dollars a year, 
right? Right. That's hundred thousand dollars. Like that's that's where that number comes from. No, and so you can adjust that right. if you have two hundred fans that pay you fifty dollars a year. <laughs> like right. you know, you could you could right. you so, figure it out. But you know, th then that goes back to the health space, which is where I'm at in body working, right? So, you know, ideally I'd like to see people once a month for maintenance purposes. Mm -hmm. At the very least. I, it would be better with all the dysfunction that I see if you come in every two weeks, but a lot of people can't afford that. Um, and and also it's so, not monetarily. Right, so. Time one, commitment can be huge for therapy. Right, you know, and so. so once a month is better. And so, but then, you know, so I have a lot of clients that are like that, but then I also have, a, uh, like I would say 40% of my clients are the ones that come in when they can't walk or when they can't turn their head or when they can't this or can't that. Yeah. And so, and there's a lot that goes on there. Um, so ideally I'd like to, you know, use the, the social media piece to build up my, you know, more consistent clients, right? Yeah. Because that is where, <coughs> that is what I'm looking for the most. And then those other people kind of fill in the empty space, right? So yeah, and you're talking about, so there's two aspects of that. We're talking about numbers and, um, there is, and there's a few people talk about this very directly too. Like more, more friends is a vanity. You know, the term they use is vanity metric. Where like after a certain point, if you're, and especially if your fans are not interacting with the content you're putting up, um, they're just numbers. They're just, they're just thumbs up on the screen, and it, it doesn't really mean anything. So, it's better to have like ten true fans that interact with the things you're posting, the content you're posting on social media, than it is to have a thousand fans that don't don't really see your stuff or talk to you about it. You know what I mean? Because yeah, it, so it means you're not affecting them at all. Well, right? so that, yeah, so that's the other thing is the effectiveness of what you're putting out. Yes. Because that's huge. So And so like getting people to pay attention, especially, so I know that I follow four to 500 people. And so there's people that follow thousands of people. Mm -hmm. And so what are the odds that they're gonna see you? Right. Well, absolutely. And so you, you, well, let's, so let's talk about the fan base too. So when you're looking at, when talking about social media, there's a couple terms we need to kind of establish. And the first is, um, you know, the cool thing about Facebook, um, for example, or social media in general, but like, especially every, for the most part, everybody's on Facebook. And so that's, and that's kind of the standard for social media and advertising right now. It'll probably shift away to some extent with what the changes are making, but it does, the application isn't so much different from Facebook to Instagram. It LinkedIn now is becoming a viable network. Um, so the, it, you have to understand um, a couple of things. So the first thing is your audience. The cool thing about Facebook is potential audience reach is huge. Um, depending on the product you have, if, it, if it's not a regional product, like you, you know, unfortunately with coaching and therapy services, we're talking often about a regional specific product. So we're talking about the city you live in and maybe the surrounding areas. And you know, in this case, we're talking about maybe people come up from like 50, 60 miles away. So Sedona, Codwood, Camp Verde, Things like that. If you if you have a reputation, that could work. But the the likelihood of them coming up on a weekly or biweekly basis is is going to be less, right? Right. Um, so the goal about Facebook is it gives you establish an audience, which is just the people who pay attention to the shit that you post, right? In your case, like one of the one of the best things you can do is establish a community, an online community, and that's which you've already taken strides to do. You have you have a group page now that you're interacting with. I believe you're recording some of this content for that, right? That makes sense. So. Yeah. Audiences, the people will potentially see your stuff and be interactive with the community can be a online visualization of the thing that you already have in your gym or in your therapy practice. And so these are, and there's lots of ways you can interact with the community. So when we're talking about audience, when we're talking about audience, we're often providing 
Um, you know, there's a great book on this called Utility. Uh, or, um, I think it's called Utility. I'll have to text it to you later. <laughs> but it's not utility with a U. It's like Y-O-Utility. And the whole point of the book is like be fucking helpful. Like with social media. The whole point for you being social media is to be helpful. And these go back to there's a bunch of marketing terms that you can throw out here. You know, there's, a, there's always acronyms that this guy, um, Dan Kennedy, came up with and his kind of partners. And Dan Kennedy is like an old school um, direct marketing guru. Like he was like one of the first guys that really took direct marketing and refined the hell of it. And, and, and what that means is that like, so a lot of times when we're in on social media or doing marketing stuff, we're, we're afraid to be um, off-putting. And so we're trying to talk to everybody at once, which is a huge mistake, okay? So you have this audience, so I'll kind of roll back around some that we're talking about um, with the direct marketing moment. You have this audience and you have the community. The community the people already like you and they're interacting with you and they're buying your services. You want to think about those. Those are your ideal clients. And so when you think about trying to grow your audience, you want to grow more people like the people that are interacting with you. And this is what direct marketing is about. You want to be polarizing. Sometimes they call it magnetic marketing. And it's called magnetic marketing because the people that agree with you or, or already, and we talked about personalities with the meshing there. If your message is hitting the right people at the right time, it will be magnetizing. They will like glue to you, right? At the same time, if your message is not right for somebody, it should be polarizing, it should be repelling. Just like a, like a magnet, like the two sides of a magnet. You want that to happen because it'll create, it'll create better fans, but it also means that your mark, the thing you're saying is important to the people that need to hear it, right. right? You don't need to talk to everybody. You need to talk to the right people. And that's a big, that's a whole conversation for another day almost, but that's really the, kind of the difference between having, you know, uh, so the audience should be kind of people that potentially want to hear the thing you have to say or they do enjoy the thing you have to say, the community or people already working with you. Um, and from that, from from the audience, you start you start developing clients. But the way you do that is by being useful. Like you put out, con you to put out content. If you're not producing content that's relatable um, or interactive in a way, then it's just stuff. It's this kind of stuff that's just going out of the web. And we see this a lot. I mean, you know, you have too much stuff on your Facebook newsfeed or Instagram that like you don't really interact with. It's just kind of there. Um, then you have stuff that you can't wait to see. And so the goal of a business is to be. Um, if you're using Facebook, well, I mean, so my point for all this is like when I'm using Facebook. I'm putting up Instagram things. Sometimes I'm putting things up for my community to interact with, and that helps to re, um, to, to reinforce my message as a business, my brand, so to speak, and the message of my brand. Like the priorities I want my clients to know. Like everything we talked about today with diet and working out. Those are the kind, I make videos like that, or I make posts about that kind of stuff to reinforce the message to the people that are already listening to me, my my, my online community and my my in-person community that follows me online. For everybody else who are not necessarily like working with me directly, I'm trying to be useful and I'm trying to build content um, that, they, that, is, that they can have take-homes from, if that makes sense, right? So like, oh, this is how you start this. This is what you're getting this exercise. This is how you establish a really easy workout routine you can do in 30, two, two 30 minute sessions a week. And a lot of times with those guys I'm talking about, go right back to the spectrum. Everything I struggle today talking about that spectrum of, is it better than before? We're talking about a lot of times people in an ideal space in their life and they're making do with an ideal is it is a 30 minute workout ideal is it going to get you really far no absolutely not is it better than doing nothing absolutely 100% yes right. it'll get people you know get people the door etc so a lot of my posts are about stuff like this how do we take somebody from like like ground zero um, in terms of health like they're, they're they're not doing anything for themselves but they know they need to they're in a painful place emotionally and physically and moving forward so a lot of my posts are about usefulness they're, they're trying to be you know uh actionable things that people can take and move on with and, and again you want to be interacting a lot there's a lot of ways to be interactive so a lot of the things that people do a lot of the 
stuff that goes viral, for example, or the brand, these brands, you see these brands come out of nowhere um, and they explode. It's because they have these really funny things. They're funny and informative, you know, and so um, th that's something to keep in mind too. If you're not, if your personality's not really coming through in the thing in your content, then like it's really flat. People can, people can sense that, you know, so you want to make yeah. sure you're putting a lot, as much of your own personality in there as possible because that's more attractive. Um, and repelling at the same time, you want that. Again, you know, that's when I think about like building my gym up, I think about my top, my top few clients that I like really, really love working with and I try to get more of those guys in there. Like if I could only train one person ever, I had 100 clones of that one person in my facility, like that's how I think about my right. marketing tactics. So, and that's going to the body working space, there's um, a specific type of clientele that I wanna work with and they are like-minded people and they are motivated outside of my office space as well as inside of it. They're like you like 10 years ago, right? Right. Like, yeah. So because there is something to be said for the fact that like, are you getting body work done? Great. Why are you doing that? Is it because you um, are an athlete and just like most athletes, you tend to overdo it and then that creates um, neurological dysfunctions? Uh -huh. Then you need to come in and see me. And then, but I know that if I tell you, you know, extra exercises to do in order to, you know, facilitate the healing of that dysfunction, that you're going to go do it. And it's, you're not... Because the payoffs, but, you know, right. and payoffs so, good for them, so... Right, and so there's... I'm at a space now where I can kind of pick and choose the people that I want, and the people that I have right now, I consider my family, and that's what I want to continue to do. That's so a great place to be as a business right. owner, especially right. when you're working with people directly, like really right. hands-on and directly. I think that's and so the goal. I think that's a pitfall of a lot of people that start in the body working space or the gym space is they're trying to get anybody and everybody. Anybody with a pulse. And that doesn't, <laughs> so, right, and that that's doesn't, a mistake. And that doesn't work because there's obviously, um, there's obviously people that don't vibe. And, yes. and then they, you know, I've had, especially starting out, I've had clients where they're like, hey, I need to book. I'm like, God damn it. You know what I mean? But I need the money, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and, so, and everybody starts there in that kind right. of position uh, to some extent. And so, and you know, now, especially in Flagstaff, since we have multiple CrossFit gyms instead of one, there has, you know, been some exchange of athletes, but for a reason you know what I mean so like there's certain athletes that vibe with certain gyms and that's fine you know what I mean so like um, you know people kind of filter where they want to go and have what and they see, want to accomplish what want. and, what they and that's why you know right. when, when, when people are talking about more competition is good it's not so much that we need to be outdoing each other it's, it's that we need to be re refining what we do right? right and you and I you know I've I've done CrossFit workouts, but I've never done CrossFit. I've never been associated with CrossFit. I don't, you know, I don't poo-poo on CrossFit. It's not like that at all. We do, we see eye to eye at so much, right? right. Um, and our workout styles are probably pretty similar, like in a lot of ways. Um, but the space I provide is just different than the space in a CrossFit facility. The expectation there is different, right? Well, so, and our, at CrossFit Vert, our expectation is a lot different than the other CrossFit gyms yep. in the town. And it's not, again, not to poo-poo on anybody else. Hopefully what that does is it helps them refine what their product is in terms of like what the service is providing and what the expectation, the outcomes of it is. When we're, you know, we're talking about strength and conditioning, there should always be an outcome, right. an expectation. If you're not, um, you know, and sometimes that outcome is, that outcome is, the expectation is just, I'm just trying to keep you put together so you can live your life. Like, 
you know, for a lot of my clients, like they come in, they just beat up all the time. It's not because they're these these they're beat up for different reasons. They're not athletes like that you're seeing like beat up athletes. They're they're just like coming and beat up and sore. And there's other things going on, and you know, so we're doing a lot more corrective right. exercises and things like that. And right. um, I would just want them to try to like walk out of the gym feeling when they walked in. We're not we're not we're not working on strength goals. We're not working on body composition or weight loss goals. Um, we're just working on like the integrity of their structure so that they can go play with their kids and shit, you know? Right. And so there's been a shift in, you know, how I think about CrossFit. And, um, you know, we've talked about this um, multiple times. Yeah, more off um, the record. <laughs> uh, yeah, more off the record. So, but I'm firmly <coughs> on the line whether I like it or not. And that tends to change based on what the circumstances are on that moment. And so, well, see, that's a great. So that's right. something taking social media. I mean, think about you know any gym. And the viability of any business is to not fight over the the scraps. Like I don't care. You know, honestly, like I love that I have these friendships with other trainers in town because I think that's healthy. Um, I don't see other gyms as being competition directly, like in a lot of ways, right? right? What I'm really trying to do as a business owner is reach more of my ideal client and to put more of myself out there on social media. Because I know that a lot of my clients interact with social media. Now, social media is not great for every type of client. If my clients are older, and some of my older clients, they don't, they're not, they don't have social media accounts. And the ones that, if they do, they don't interact on social media the way that like like somebody who's thirty five or forty does or younger. And that and that is another thing. Like Facebook isn't great. I mean, if your client target client is like twenty, they're probably on Snapchat, not Facebook. Because Facebook's for old fogies now. Yeah. So, so, so and I'm firmly in that group because I hate Snapchat. I don't. I don't <laughs> use it. At first, I don't use it. And I'm trying to get better with with Instagram and you know all these all these platforms have different mentality types. I mean, I'm not really on Twitter that much, um, but they're all viable in different ways, right? So you have to understand like where your client is and where they're at. And I'm not trying to compete. I don't want to steal members from other gyms. I, that's not the business I'm in. I'm well, business of helping people that need the most help now and so what i'm trying to do is get more effective at reaching these people right which i think is the viability of any if we're being really honest about owning a gym or owning a therapy business that's the goal right there's plenty of athletes in town to choose from uh, not to choose from but to get you know in your community of active clients um we have a college here with athletes in it and while they do have services well, there well, they're, they're not well, always adequate you know but then like so in my space the the Recreational runner, you know yep. what I mean. So like huge that, up here, the Olympic level running up here, it's right. a huge thing. You're right. <laughs> so, I'm not talking about the Olympic level runners. I'm talking yeah. about the average runners. Yeah. And so running is a skill, and it needs to be taught and it needs to be honed, and it's also one of the only sports where people think you can just go to your your local run flagstaff store, buy a pair of shoes, and get out the door and start running, but a lot of people don't know how to run. And then, so that's where... It sounds so funny, right? Because it's so right. fundamental human, like... Well, it's such a fundamental human movement pattern. Yeah. And, but we don't practice it. And it's something we develop and naturally. We just, we, we start toddling, we start walking, then we start running and jumping, right? And... But that, but we don't, after, there's like a certain age where we're not, we know, like, once you start getting past a certain point, like, once you get past elementary school, you don't have recess anymore. You don't get to run, jump, and land anymore. Nope. And then you... So, like, so teenagers need recess. <laughs> like, right. Not PE. They need Everybody recess. Everybody needs recess if you want to get <laughs> down to the... But that's, and that's what... Gym time should be recess time. Like, right. right. And I always so, thought that was a cool concept. Right. And so it's... Uh, <clears throat> so a lot of those recreational runners... I'm not talking about the professional ones. Those are... A lot of the recreational runners are just action-packed full of energy... Or injuries because of these dysfunctional running patterns that they have. 
right? So there's and so those are the people that I'm trying to reach, but you know, so I think so, it's also yeah. really important for and the reason why I'm having this conversation with you is to help people kind of realize that the 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 scope of what you're trying to achieve with this advertising that mm-hmm. you're doing on social media. And you know, so then that goes to diet, that goes to fitness, oh, that yeah. goes to advertising, All that goes things. to whatever. You need to have a conversation with yourself about what you're trying to accomplish. If you and don't know the end, it's just like a, so advertising. Well, before I forget, you everything you just told me, that's all shit. Should be on social media. Talk about why running is awesome and terrible for some like New Year's resolution people. You know, talk about make some videos, point out some like common running mistakes. If somebody can integrate in their warm up, like you know the hundred drill um, or pose method, like warm ups that people can integrate in as they are prepping to run for the workout. They don't want to take like three or four. You know what I mean? So these are things that that I consider useful. That your potential client might, might find useful as well. And um, make, you know, if you have an opinion about something like CrossFit, make a post about it. Like, it's okay to be controversial. And this is the biggest mistake people make with that, with, with Facebook stuff. Not even just advertising, just the content you're putting up there. They're, they're not necessarily controversial enough. Like, take a stand on shit. If you have a, if you have a strong opinion on something, you don't be afraid to talk about it. Yes, you will make enemies. Um, but yes, we also have raving fans because people will totally agree with you and see how to deal with that as well. So that's it. And that's an interesting thing to... Right. We're always uh, afraid to like piss each other off. It's like... Uh, I, so I'm not, I'm not afraid. <laughs> so, you know, we live in a day and age where people are like, searching to be offended. And they want to be offended by whatever. But like yes. if I... So, but the difference is, and the point that I'm trying to make is like if I offend you in some way... You'll call me up and we'll have a discussion about it. And we then should feel challenged instead right. of butthurt, right? Right. Like, and so yeah. but then, you know, and that's one of my problems with the CrossFit thing is that, you know, in in their hubris, they are the end-all, be-all fitness program. They are already controversial. So the entity that is CrossFit is already controversial. I mean, I think you have a really unique position. You're coming from a CrossFit. I mean, because what they do, they, they don't give a shit what everybody else thinks about them. They, they at the games level they eat people up and they don't give a shit about that it seems like too I mean, there's an honest problem with like the way the CrossFit games are organized and things at this point I think with, with injury rates and, and the expectation and really the payday that these athletes are like putting themselves through to like not get that much money for like a professional athlete in a lot of ways and that's a whole different conversation for another day um, but you're in an interesting position to talk about at a, at a CrossFit, as a CrossFit coach at a CrossFit facility how can we make CrossFit better for somebody coming in right. and that's a whole I mean there's a there's a book there. There's not just there's not just Facebook posts and, and blog posts and emails and, and Facebook live videos or whatever, periscopes, whatever platform you're on. I mean, there's a book there. Like let's how do you make CrossFit better for a beginner? Because right. CrossFit for a long time appealed to people. There's a big there's a big issue with the funnel that comes in, the audience, the potential audience. CrossFit for a long time appealed to hardcore athletes and like special forces and like public safety guys who were already pretty active. And it made sense. And now because like we already talked about the goal of any kind of fitness organization is to reach more people that aren't active. CrossFit has done this. Right. CrossFit is maybe not appropriate. CrossFit as it is. Now I know. So and here's yeah. And here's my theory. <coughs> and um, I, before I started my martial arts training, I was you know radically unhealthy, two hundred seventy pounds. You know, smoked, drank, ate whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, drink. You know, <laughs> yeah, drank like a uh, twelve pack of soda a day, whatever. And you know, then I started my martial arts training, and then I started CrossFit. And I think 
what happened was is that my body literally craved the exact opposite. And then so once you get into the homeostasis, maybe, you know, hardcore CrossFit competition level training isn't what you need. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. you need to, like, so the, the, the perception of CrossFit is it's hardcore all the time. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. And that's, and that's something for the, I mean, so it's a, it's a real big can of worms we start talking about CrossFit. Um, because obviously there's CrossFit, hey, and, and most, you know, the other thing too is that the average client, the average person, the prospect, that, that, that they, they're interested in your services, and they're, they're raising their hand and say, hey, Jesse, I'm interested in CrossFit. They don't fucking know. They don't know the difference between CrossFit HQ and CrossFit Vert, where you work, you know what I mean? Like, they don't know that there's a difference in application and that all CrossFit gyms are run differently. Or what the vis most visible part of CrossFit is, which is CrossFit Games. It is, yeah, it is now, right? Or, this, or the sexy Insta, um, the Insta porn, <laughs> you know, essentially what it is, like, you know, with people putting up, like, and, and just, it's not just CrossFit. There's the same thing, the same problem with, like, the bodybuilding community, the powerlifting community, and the general fitness community on all the social media platforms where they see the ex the, ex the extreme end of it, um, and it, but you're, you're absolutely right. So they don't, they don't know that every gym is different and that, and that maybe your gym has a better way of onboarding somebody right. um, who's completely unfit, right? And maybe that carrot, the, the carrot, the end of the stick is what's needed to really make some substantial changes. But again, it goes back to client goals. I think one, one issue that some facilities have or some coaches have is that they're dictating the goals for the clients. Like you have to let the client be involved in the goal setting process. It's not my job to tell the client what their goal should be. Um, it's my job to tell them like how much investment that goal might take and then to organize that training program and their life around that. That's what, that's what I do. Like, you know, my goal is to say you have, you know, you are not doing CrossFit unless you get to the CrossFit games or like compete at regionals and everything you do should be set up around training for that kind of thing. And I know a lot of the general CrossFit training programming methodology should set somebody up to do some kind of regional, you know, you should be able to do some events that you know the competition across you should be able to do that if you're actively participating in crossfit right well yeah but, but i don't tell people local yeah at a local right. level right like that's that comes out of that like i don't we don't i don't tell people they have to be powerlifting but a lot of the programming we set up we, we focus on compound lifts so somebody wants to transition to, into powerlifting for my general programming um assuming they're relatively healthy and not broken like that's a pretty easy transition for most people and it's the same thing you know but people but again people don't know this the average person coming into a crossfit facility just assumes that it's going to be fucking hardcore, and maybe they maybe they think they need that. Maybe they do need that. Maybe they don't. Again, this is something that each, you know each trainer needs to be talking over with their clients, um, you know. And you know, you and I. And so, and this is whole. I mean, this goes back to the program and everything else. You're talking about scalability is not just changing the weight. You know, scalability of a movement is sometimes regressing the pattern to the baby steps, uh, which I think a lot of gyms don't do enough. Quite literally, <laughs> like quite, if you quite can, literally, like if you cannot deadlift, you should probably learn how to crawl. Like right. yes, because you need that constant stabilization problem. Absolutely. Right? And so, if you can't do you a deadlift, why are you doing snatches? Like, which right. which is not the same movement, but but right. carries if, a lot of carries a lot of the same. Like, if you can't you know, stabilize a weight overhead with one arm, what makes you think you can do it with two? Yeah. And so it's like if you can't do it slowly in practice, well, right. why are you doing it as fast which as possible? Is, and right. man, that's that opens a whole can of worms <laughs> to like what I hear on a regular basis in the CrossFit space, which is. I snatch better with weight on the bar. Do you? Because you should be able to snatch with the bar. You should be able to snatch slowly with yep. the bar. You should be able to do Tai Chi snatches. Right. Like, like, right. You know, there's all. And so, you know, then, <coughs> um, and another 
there's oh, there's this is like a whole other podcast that we should probably get into later. Um, so, but see, these are okay. I mean, if I, if I may reiterate, like these yeah. are these are all the topics. These are all topical uh, for social media, and this is really what a, what a, what somebody. Our conversation specific for the, for the two of us in you know, our off the record, you know, off the podcast conversations we've already had. Anybody getting into social media for the first time, this is the shit you're talking about. Right. You know, have a conversation like this. You know, write down the, the write down shit. You know, there's lots of strategies to make shit easy. So I I, I um, so something I do for my Facebook posts with my written my written stuff and not my my video stuff is I come up with a topic for the week. And you can even go, you can take a step back and come up for a topic for the month. And then have a subtopic for each week, and then I break that topic into five posts. Like, what are the five things I can talk about this one topic? Um, so, at the beginning of the year, it was like, how do I like let's let's talk about building routines. Let's talk about taking resolutions and making them bite sized building routines so things stick. And um, that was kind of that was my topic. And I broke into little mini messages, and I tried to make little mini posts for it. So I write all my my Facebook posts on Monday or Sunday night, depending. But I already know what the whole. Well, I basically know what they're going to be, and I outline them. I very at the very minimum outline them. And I can dictate them, or I can flesh them out from there. But I write everything down, you know, before the week starts, and then I just kind of then I can input really easily into the different social media channels. You can take those posts that you've written about these topics that you have bullet points for, all, you know, all these conversations, and you can make quick videos about them, right? And you know, for, uh, you don't have to be the angry coach, but that doesn't, or the funny guy. But those two, those are definitely strategies that work too. You should be passionate, and you know, um, meaning that you should, you should care deeply about the things you're talking about. You should feel deeply about them. And um, it, it, what I mean is like you shouldn't be bullshitting people. <laughs> you know, I, I wouldn't recommend something I wouldn't do for myself. I wouldn't, or I wouldn't put my clients through basically on social media as a, as a strategy or things I don't talk about. If you're working with clients, often, if you're working with, with clients either in the therapy realm or in the coaching realm, you're gonna have the same, like what, 10 or 20 questions pop up over and over at CrossFit, right? Like, it, like for everybody walking in the door, they're gonna have the same 20 questions. And so I just, I keep a list of quite the common questions. And then again, I break those down to smaller bullet points. Um, one thing with social media um, that you, you kind of have to figure out what your audience prefers. A lot of people on Facebook are, have the same attention spans, but if people really like you, they'll watch, out, they'll watch or read whatever you put out. Um, and so some people I follow um, that are also fitness and entrepreneurs like John Romanello, like he puts these epic, like, you know, 40 page posts up on Facebook. And I, 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 I cherish every word of it, but it's because he's such a fantastic writer, right? And that's the other cool thing about social media in general is that you don't have to, you know, obviously if you're on YouTube, you're gonna be in the video market, right? You're gonna be making videos, but you don't have to become a writer if that's not your strong suit. You don't have to blog, you know, even though there's lots of reasons mechanically why that works well for your website to get more notoriety. Um, you don't have to do videos if you're afraid of the camera. Like you can make podcasts and you can link to the podcast on the, on social media. So especially in the beginning, you can follow your strong suit, um, and and you don't have to go outside your comfort zone too much. And you don't have to do t you don't you don't have to do everything. You don't have to do video and and spoken word and writing. I, I suggest you find one just like in strength conditioning. You know, especially if you're or sports. You know, find the thing you're fucking good at and, and just and really get good at it. And then you you don't if you get really excellent at it you don't have to like you don't have to uh, add variety like I so I do a combination of video and and written stuff for a lot of my stuff um, and it's partly because I I think when it comes to exercise I'm, I'm kind of a technician I see a lot of those small nuances and stuff so I like to talk about that stuff in my videos um, the other reason I do a lot of videos for exercise dem demonstrations is, is is so I have things to link to so those often I'll put on Facebook but the real reason I do those is to make a video library on YouTube. Which is fun. I get some traffic on YouTube, but that's not the main goal. The main goal is so I can 
like my online clients or somebody has a question while they're out of town, I can link to something I did and I know I showed, I demoed it correctly. So the client who, my client who's going to view it is getting that thing out of it that I want them to get out of it. So that's why I created a video library for exercises. But a lot of what I talk about now on social media is more, I don't want to say motivational, but more, a little more headspace stuff. Like, you know, the things we're talking about, it's okay to have pizza on the weekend. Right. If you've organized the rest of your week, well, right. I can't get my week organized. Well, why the fuck not? Like, sit down on Sunday and think about like the shit you have coming up. Are you going out on Friday night? You're probably not going to like eat your prepped meal because you know you're going out with you know Jane and Susan or whatever after work. Like, so anticipate that Friday's dinner is going to suck, you know, in terms of like quality, and then on Saturday. So the, you know, these are things I talk about, and, yeah. and uh, you know, strategies and, and mentality and things like that as well. But um, you know, so everything we went over today, I mean, even and even the health points and stuff we talked about. This is all social media appropriate stuff because we're passionate about it we believe in 100 percent we, we're taking a stance and sometimes that stance is like yeah you're gonna fuck up and that's okay sometimes the sense is like hey you shouldn't fuck this part up because this part's really important or expect to fuck this up for three years and it's gonna get better and better just like your social media right. <laughs> posting and stuff like that so that you know that's how i treat all that stuff um primarily i'm on facebook because i'm on facebook um and I'm, I do some stuff on instagram because i enjoy being on instagram too but like again i'm not i'm not linkedin i'm not on twitter as a user very much. It's hard for me to like find um, uh, time to be on there to be posting so just things. Basically, what you're saying is find your medium. Find your medium, and, and then learn to excel at it in a, in a manner that's re reproducible. Because just like fitness and diet, consistency in posting on social media and, and reaching your market is way more important than having one epic post a month, unless that's what your market ex, you know expects. So I do like I do I have an email list of a newsletter that I put out to like my community. So people in my my newsletter are part of my community, generally speaking. And I only I only do that once or twice a month. And that's kind of the expectation there. You know, I talk about events coming up in my facility or other things that are topical because of the season, because it's New Year's now, we're still at the tail end of the New Year's resolution rush thing, but that's still a thing. So I you know those are things I put out my newsletter, but so I don't I don't email every day, though I have people I follow that email every day because they're good at it. You yeah. know, so that's the thing. So yeah, find your niche. Um, identify your identify your target client. Figure out where they live on the internet. All right. Figure out the language they use so you communicate with them, and then get passionate about the things you want to talk to them about. Right. And that are also important to them. And those things will get sh if they're important, they will get shared with the community. They'll tag friends in there. Um, again, if you can find some type of way of providing entertainment value, we're not all funny people. You know, um, I'm I'm funny at the bar because my jokes are terrible, but that's not. <laughs> Yeah, the kind of humor I might be projecting on Facebook, right. necessarily, unless I really want to get into like a specific type of, you know, audience, which I don't. And so, um, you know, for me, that I try to bring a little more um, polished uh, product to Facebook instead of my really bad jokes that are taste, you know, not tasteful. <laughs> so, yeah. that, so that makes sense. So, you know, um, and then and then you know the other aspect, in addition to finding and growing the audience online, um, which are again people that will find stuff useful and eventually, ideally, come to you for help. Um, in some fashion, whether it's just an email message like, hey, I have a problem with this, what do you think? Um, or actually come into your facility for help, you know, physically. Um, I, I reinforce aspects of my community on there and things like that too. So that, you know, that goes from talking about events that are coming up again on social media and stuff. And, um, so if you're going to get into advertising on Facebook, that's kind of a longer, you know, so that's the basics of Facebook. Is get on there, start doing shit, start talking to people about things that you know about. Everybody has something they can talk about. And, and then don't just make it about CrossFit and therapy, you know, share your real life experiences on there too. And at this point, so because of the Facebook um, changing the business practices, I've been doing about 50-50 split between my personal page and my 
my business page. It's helped me be a little more on Facebook in general with my personal stuff. So I share things, I, um, things I'm doing with my kids, my family, or frustrations I'm having, like, you know, uh, in addition to talking about fitness. So it's not, you know, so so just so I'm a real person, so I have yeah. real things I like to watch cartoons. Which is important for people to see also. It is, it is, yeah. because then you become you know, more of a personality that they can identify with. Um, it's, so it's not just part of the it is part of the strategy, but it should be more organic than that, of right. course, um, because people want to relate to you. And that's why they're on Facebook. They're not on Facebook to be sold to, you know. Yeah. So I do I do do Facebook advertising for selling, um, like my some of my introductory training stuff. So people are interested, but I and I you know that has to be set up well. That's kind of a conversation for another day we get more depth with. But if you just get if you just if, you know think about the, the the whole point of social media is just to make relationships. Just and reinforce those relationships. Right. If you just do that via byproduct of you being awesome at what you do and sharing what you do and being a real person, um, a lot of people who aren't doing those things, and again, that was the point of having a business page on Facebook was do the same thing. Build relationships and reinforce those relationships. Um, that will be a boon to the entrepreneur. You know, um, I'm not saying you get direct, you know, a lot of times to get a sale, you have to ask for the sale. Right. You know, if you're trying to get more clients in the door, you sometimes have to say, Hey, I have spaces. Who wants in? Or I have a special for this product for New Year's or whatever it is, um, which people will tolerate well if you've been a real person on Facebook and you've been building relationships and reinforcing those relationships. Right. So that so that's the strategy for for social media. There's lots of little tactics that go into into that, which we I think we should save for another day, um, which I'd be happy to talk about like very specific strategies I use. So. Yeah, we probably should wrap it up. Yeah, I think that's, <laughs> that's probably a good place to stop for the day. All right, brother, um, thanks for coming in, man. Jesse, thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. Yep.